Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So you're going about your, your daily business, normal routines, taking care of the responsibilities that are yours, things going, and then the phone rings and you pick it up not thinking much about it, but you listen and what you're being told begins to produce this real sense of dread or fear or, oh my, how in the world are we going to deal with this? Whatever it is, what do you do at that moment? You're, you're in a relationship, maybe it's in your marriage and you've had one of those times when it wasn't like, it wasn't uh, the honeymoon anymore. That it was the total opposite, and it really did not go well, and, and the emotions are high, and everything's going on, and, and, and you're wondering even, wow, is this marriage going to survive, and what do you do at that moment? Your kids, whether they're little kids, and, and you're observing, and you're watching something happen, and something happens that you go, what do you do? Or maybe you're in a conversation with them, and they tell you something that you think, oh my, what am I going to do? What, what do you do at those times? Well, the reality is that you do something, don't you? You do something. And you know what you do? You do what makes the most sense to you at that moment. That's what you do. You do what comes natural. Based on what you know about life, based on what you experience in life, based on how you've approached life, you do what comes natural, what makes the most sense to you. And that's not a bad thing. God designed us that way, right? That we take all of this and we, we don't always take the time and conscience to figure that out, but, but all this stuff comes and then so we can make a decision and we have to make decisions. And the Bible describes it like this in the book of Proverbs. It says that every person does what is right in his or her eyes. We do what we think is the best thing at the moment. We do what we think is right at the moment. And, and God made us this way. It's almost like if you think balancing scales. You remember old balancing scales where they have weights on one side and weight, you know, on the, and you could weigh things like that and measure it? Well, that's kind of the way God made us. To, he made us to be balanced. We're, we're the happiest when we're balanced. And what happens is all of a sudden something comes along and we got to make a decision. we got to make it now. We make that decision. And that decision puts us out of balance. And, and what do we do? We balance by thinking, well, I, I did that or I'm doing that because of this. In other words, how we see the world, the way we think things work, what makes sense to us, what seems right to us. And so we balance the scales. Now, the reality is this, that if this reason doesn't match reality, what happens to the scales? You push it down, all of a sudden the scales go out of balance again, and it isn't working. And then you, you make the best decision you know how again. Oops, that wasn't right either. Boom. And next thing you, you, boy, life goes out of control, doesn't it? 
And so this is why we're talking about wisdom, that we need God's wisdom. And how, I mean, how are we going to make the right decision? How are we going to know what to do when those times come? And they do come. Some of you are in the middle of them right now. You have been or you will be. Those times are coming. And so this is why we really need God's wisdom. Last week we saw it. Uh, the author of Proverbs there said to us, he said, wisdom is, do you remember what he said? The principal thing. The main thing, the primary thing, the most important thing you need to have if you're going to look at life and understand life, if you're going to get good at life, you got to have God's wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. He says, therefore, get wisdom. Get after it. Find it. Learn it. Live by it. You need wisdom. The problem is this, that what we find is that what makes sense to us at the moment is not always wise. Now, before we go on, let's, let's, let's remind ourselves of what the definition of wisdom is. This is what the definition of wisdom is. Wisdom is seeing life the way God sees it, and then I've added, and living accordingly. I added that from last week because somebody was talking to me and made a great observation that it, it kind of sounded like that wisdom was just knowing something. But wisdom is more than that. So what I'm trying to say is when you see life the way God sees it, which is, by the way, the way it really is, when you see life the way God sees it, then you're going to live by that. And so it, it's, it's more than just knowing something. It's knowing it and, and applying it and responding. That is wisdom. We need God's wisdom. And so what we discover is this, that oftentimes God's wisdom does not track the same way as what makes sense to us. Okay? It doesn't always fit that. And so there's a difference between godly wisdom and what comes natural to us. A difference between the way God sees life, the way it really is, and the way we see it. That's often different. And so what do we need to do? We need to get God's wisdom. Let's, let's take a, uh, go to our Bibles and take a look at what God says about the difference between the way we naturally see things and the way he sees it. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. If you uh, don't have a Bible with you today, we'd really encourage you to follow on. There's Bibles under the chairs there, and we're going to start on page 850. We really encourage you to take that out and follow along. This is, we believe, God's word that he has given to us to know what we're supposed to believe and how we're supposed to live. And it's a way that honors him and is a blessing to us. Isaiah chapter 55, fairly well-known passage to probably a lot of you. In fact, last summer, was it last summer? Yeah, when we talked about the Jesus way, we looked at this passage. But in this passage, Isaiah 55, he's saying, hey, you need to come and consider, you know, what I have for you. Come and do this. And then you need to turn from your own ways and turn to my ways. And now he tells us why, starting in verse number eight. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Okay, so right there he sets it up, doesn't he? What... I mean, our thoughts can sometimes match God's, but overall, the way we naturally look at things is not the same way that God looks at things. And we're going to see more of that in a little bit. So he just says it right up. Let's just be straight. And we ought to get that. Now, now that shouldn't surprise us, should it? Does anybody here, is, is anybody here present everywhere else today at the same time? 
Any of you? Good, because some of you raised your hand. I was going to ask, maybe we ought to take them somewhere, right? Now, we are not present everywhere at the same time. We don't see everything there is to see. We don't know everything there is to know. God does. And so it ought not surprise us. I mean, think about this. Have your children ever, if, if, you're, if you're married and have kids here, or if you have kids, and if you are a kid here, just go with us, okay? Because we can, have you ever had your children just be absolutely convinced of something that you knew wasn't really the way they thought it was? Why was that? It's because you knew more than they did. You knew something they didn't know. By the way, young people in here, have, have your parents ever been really convinced of something that you knew just wasn't true? I, I don't think I even want to go there. Let's don't. <laughs> but it shouldn't surprise us that, that God would see things differently than us. Okay, and it's not just different. It's better. Let's look here in verse number nine. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. My, my thoughts and my way of looking at things is so much higher than yours. And you've got to understand that higher, God is everywhere, so he's lower too, but he says my thoughts are higher because the higher you go and you look down on things, you can see things. You can see the big picture. God sees the whole picture as well as all the details. And all you and I see are what? What's here and what we can see and what we can interact with. But God sees the whole big picture. By the way, how much higher is higher? The, a few years ago, the, they found with the Hubble telescope this little faint red dot, some gamma ray burst from someplace that they measured and how they do their parallaxis and all this kind of stuff. 13 something, 13 point something billion light years. So how much higher are God's thoughts than your thoughts? How much higher are God's ways? He says, as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So God's, not only ways are different than ours, God's ways are better than ours. And then let's see what, what they do for us. Verse number 10. He begins this extended analogy. And he says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So he says, Okay, the rain comes down, and we don't really see where it goes from there, right? We see it rain, it comes down, it disappears, but it accomplishes something, doesn't it? It goes into the ecosystem, it produces life. He says, verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. And his word is his wisdom. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It's not going to be wasted, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And so he says the same way that the rain comes and it goes, you don't see it, but it actually it does accomplish something. Same thing with my word. My word comes, and though we don't necessarily see it how it works, when the word comes in and it's allowed in, it produces something good and something valuable. And he continues the analogy. And he says, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. And the idea is, when you accept my ways instead of your ways, when you begin living or thinking things about things the way I think about them, when you see life the way I see it, okay, it's going to be a good thing in your life. 
The mountain, let's see, for you shall go out with joy, be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. I, I, I haven't, have you noticed trees with hands? This is poetic thinking. This is symbolic thinking. But if you think about how the trees wave, it's almost like the, he's, he's talking about it's a good thing. Have you ever been outside and just watched and looked at creation and just had this sense come over you as, this is good? That's what he's talking about here. And I'm really happy that this idea of the wind blowing and the trees clapping their hands because on Friday, I had this deep leaves all over my yard. Okay? The wind blew all day yesterday and I have this many leaves and some bare spots. Now, I don't know where they went. It doesn't look like they went in my neighbor's yard. But if they did, oh well. Right? I mean, because they'll blow back some other day. But so he says, it's a good thing. And then he says this. This is what I want you to see, verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And I, and I got pictures of those trees that, to, to show you up here. Okay? Cypress tree, just beautiful, amazing trees. The myrtle tree, amazing trees. And he's saying, instead of having thorns that come up and, and you know, that cause you problems, you're trying to get through them and they're, they're drawing blood and, and it's just such a hassle everywhere you turn, you pull. No, something beautiful and good is going to come up. And he says, that's the way it is in your life. When you finally say, wait a minute, my thoughts don't match God's thoughts. God's thoughts are so much better. His way of looking at the world is so much better. I'm going to start working to see the world the way God sees it. It's going to bring about change in your life that's like changing from briar patch and thorns to beautiful trees. It's going to make a good difference in your life, a big difference in your life. And so this is why we, we need to make sure that we get the wisdom that we do begin to see it. Now, we, we're, let's go to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be on page 740 when we, when we start there. Um, in the book of Proverbs is a, a book that is intentionally about God's wisdom. It, it helps us to see the world the way God sees it, which, once again, the way God sees the world is what? The way it really is. And so the book of Proverbs was given to us for that. It's, it's all these statements and sayings and things to help us ponder life and begin to see it uh, from God's perspective. But in the book of Proverbs, we find some things that really are just common sense. Okay, they're, they're common sense stuff. They, they make sense. Things we might already know and we just go, oh yeah, right. And then there are things in the book of Proverbs that are things that we really hadn't thought of, but when we look at it and consider it, we go, oh yeah, I, that does make sense, doesn't it? And then there's some things in the book of Proverbs that we look at and we go, really? What? Wow, I never would have thought of that on my own ever. Never would have come up with that. In fact, I don't even know how that works. So there are things in the book of Proverbs like that. But once again, should that surprise us? No, because God is different than us. And he sees things different than us. And so what I want to do today is to fo focus in on some of these passages in Proverbs that are the kinds of things that surprise us because they, they don't come natural to us. 
We never would have thought of them on their own. And, and, and God puts them together in ways that we would not have come up with. Because here's the thing. These places where God has given us wisdom that just are unnatural to us, like I say, maybe even surprising to us, and we're, we're really like, what? Well, I don't get it. These ways are so important because it is in these places where it does not come natural to us that we have to really start paying attention. I mean, if something comes natural to you and comes easy to you, how much attention do you have to pay to it? How many of you have ever been driving down the road and all of a sudden you realize, I can't remember the last 10 miles? I'm not the only one, am I? Or I don't remember making that turn. But it's so easy, we just aren't even paying, we don't have to pay close attention to it. But God puts us in these places with his wisdom in life where we have to stop and pay attention to it because this does not come natural to us. And the fact that we have to really pay attention to this also puts us in a place where we have to live by faith. Because wait a minute, this isn't what I would do naturally. This doesn't make sense to me and I have to make a decision. Okay, I, I'm going to trust God that he actually knows what's best here. She puts me in a place I have to live by faith. And then what's really neat about this is when you put yourself in a position to really live by faith, you put yourself in a position to discover and experience that God is really real and his word is really true. So these are good things. So let's look in Proverbs here, page 740. Proverbs chapter 14. And the verse we're going to look at is actually repeated almost exactly word for word, if not word for word, another place in Proverbs. So if God says something once, how important is it? Is it worth paying attention to if he says it once? What if he says it twice? Okay. We do that with our kids, right? Listen, now listen, let me tell you one more time. Verse number 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it's end is the way of death. Now, in our culture, in our society, let's think about this, this whole idea of, of what comes natural. Isn't that thought of as a good thing in our society? Well, do what comes natural, right? Everything is natural today, right? Natural foods. To me, all food is natural. But so the tendency is to think, well, of course what's natural is right. I mean, you have to have, you, the, the idea is, if left to ourselves, we would think, assume that what's natural is right. And that's the thing that makes sense to me. Of course, that's what I should do. But God's word here is telling us that's not so. It's telling us this, that, that what comes natural to us isn't always good for us. Sometimes there's things that come natural that's good for you. I mean, if you accidentally put your hand on a hot stove, what comes natural? Pain and fast movement. That comes, that's a good thing. So, I mean, there are some things that come naturally good, but what you, not everything that's natural is good for us. I'm not talking about eating. I'm talking about an approach to life. And, and the idea is, is that there are things that seem natural to us and make sense to us that we think, wow, this is what I ought to do and this is how things are when it, they really aren't, but it, it kind of comes natural to you. That doesn't produce God's abundant life for you. It actually 
starts to mess with your life. Logic that's not marked by God's wisdom leads to a life marked by death. You got that? And so we do what comes natural. It's just logical. This is natural to me. And I do that, and it's not the right thing. It brings death into my life. Things die. Relationships die. Financial health dies. Even maybe my own health suffers because of decisions I make. So doing what comes natural to us isn't always good for us. And so how, how do we handle that? What do we do? I mean, it came natural to me. It's what made sense to me. It's how I justified what I had done. How do I? Well, and this is why then we need God's wisdom if we're going to get good at life. Because what comes natural to us isn't always good for us. And so we need God's wisdom to be able to get good at life. We need to be able to see those places where what comes natural to us is not good and it's not right and see things the way God says that they are. All right. And so what I want to do now is, is, is uh, begin working our way through a few verses in, in Proverbs. By the way, I, I went back through the whole book of Proverbs again this week and um, came up with 23 very strong, stated Points that absolutely do not come natural to us. That are like surprising. Like, wow, really? And so I'm going to preach on all 23 of those this morning. <laughs> some of you laugh and some of you don't like, like. No, if we have time, I'm going to hit six of them. If we don't have time, I won't do all of them. But I just want you to see how this works. Okay, so let's go to Proverbs chapter 11. I'm not going to give you the page numbers. It's in the same book. You can find these. Hang on a second. Yes, Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 17. It says, the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel Troubles his own flesh. And he doesn't just mean the body, but it means the whole being, the person. He troubles himself. And so he says this, that, that the way you are, if you're a merciful person and you treat people with mercy, it says that's going to do what? It's doing good for your soul. Wait a minute, there's a soul connection? I mean, we think that we have this, the soul condition and it goes out. And is that true? Is that what, what shows up on the outside is what's on the inside? Is that true? It's not a trick question. Is that true? That what's on the inside typically shows up on the outside? Yes. That's how we make these decisions, what we do. But the Proverbs here is saying, not only does it show up on the outside, but then what you do on the outside comes back and affects your soul. And so he says, the merciful man does good. He's merciful. He's showing mercy. And that does good for his own soul. Whereas someone who is cruel does damage to themselves. And so here's the thought. The way we treat others not only reflects the condition of our souls, it affects the condition of our souls. You see, that, that wouldn't come natural. We don't think that way. Okay? Now, it, it, it uh, gets better here. Let's go to chapter 14. In verse number 30. Because I have three here in a row that are kind of connected. Chapter 14, verse 30 says, A sound heart 
is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Now, we, physically we'd say a good, healthy heart, is that good for the body? Yes, but the, the author of Proverbs here really isn't talking about the physical heart here, he's talking about our soul heart, okay? our inside heart, and he says this, that a sound heart, that when your soul is healthy on the inside, it, it actually affects what? Your body. And if you have envy in your heart, that affects your body. It's, it says rottenness to the bones. It's actually a physical effect. And so get this, the condition of your soul affects the condition of your body. Now, science is catching up to that, right? The whole psychological impact and what it does to our bodies. Okay, but God had revealed this way back. All right, so we start off that, that how we're living our lives and what we're doing out here not only reflects what's going on in our soul, it actually affects what's going on in our soul. And then what's going on in our soul actually affects our bodies. Okay, well, let's go to chapter 17. You'll like this one. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Once again, what? What's going on inside of you? The condition of your soul affects the condition of your body. And you can relate to this. I mean, if you're having a great time and you're relaxed and happy, how do you feel physically? Just immediately, not even talking about long term. But if you are anxious and there's anger and frustration and you can't sleep, what starts to happen to your body? Okay, so the condition of your soul affects your body. Now, go back to um, chapter 11. So our body's being affected. Chapter 11, verse 22. It says, as a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Now, to help you envision this, I found a picture, okay, of a pig with a ring in its nose. Now, let's assume that's white gold, okay? <laughs> now, do you look at that and say, oh, what a lovely pig. The ring just makes up for everything, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. And so what, what the author here of Proverbs is saying that, look, you can, women, and we could put this to men too, same principle, but you can look as beautiful as you possibly can be. But guess what? If the condition of your soul isn't right, you don't have discretion, you don't have character, guess what? The beauty is wasted. It's wasted. And so I would say this to you, that your true character affects how you look, both inside and outside. So what's going on on the inside actually ends up affecting how you look. This makes sense because we've already seen it. It affects your body, doesn't it? Okay, so it's going to show up on the outside. Go over to the last chapter of Proverbs, chapter 31. Chapter 31. Verse number 30. This tells us the other side of this coin here. Verse 30 says, charm is deceitful. And it's talking about outward charms. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. I have to stop there. Have you ever noticed that? 
I'm not nearly as beautiful as I used to be. Right? His beauty is passing. It does go away. What we tend to think of is beautiful. But he says something else. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. The woman who, who has this right relationship with God and it affects how her, her condition of her soul, which affects how her life, it affects the way she looks on the outside. So here's the thing. And, and young people, young ladies especially, but young people, listen, get this. That This, this can sound terrible. I want to say this. That, you know, our world has this sort of mentality of what's beautiful, right? I mean, just go look at the magazine covers and the TV stars, right? That's the beauty. But I'm telling you, uh, you can have all of that beauty, and if, it does, if there's not a beautiful soul, it won't be long before you know that. And I can guarantee you, I've, I've seen plenty of people uh, who don't match the magazine covers, who have beautiful souls and they smile and they light up the world. Now, I did a little research into how much time we spend on grooming and outward appearance. Okay? Uh, first piece of interest, uh, information was interesting that only 80% of Americans actually w- do any grooming every day. Now, I'm glad that you are all of that 80%. Of those who do grooming, the average time spent, you know, between, um, you know, getting, washing up, uh, dressing up, making up, whatever, cleaning up, all these things. Uh, For men, it was 45 minutes a a day on average. That's your shower, right? Just getting dressed, getting whatever, about 45 minutes a day. Women was 58 minutes a day. These are averages, I'm sure it's not you, okay? But based on what we just saw, that the condition of your soul also affects how you appear in the long run. How much time do you spend working on the condition of your soul? How much time do you spend opening the word of God and talking to God about it? See what I'm saying? Shouldn't we spend at least as much time doing that as we do making sure we look okay to the world around us? See, this is the kind of wisdom that we get from the book of Proverbs. All right, let's go to chapter 21. And verse number three, he says... To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Okay, Uh, the idea of sacrifice, we don't think the same thing as they did when they thought sacrifice. When they thought sacrifice, they thought about actually going to the temple, the place where they went to worship God with an animal or an offering, and they would present it as a sacrifice to the Lord. So it was a, a religious activity, okay? And it was a right religious activity. There wasn't anything wrong with it. It was an important part of what God gave them to do, how to express what was going on. But the author of Proverbs here says what? To do justice and righteousness, or righteousness and justice. I don't remember which way it was. He's talking about how you live your life. Do you live your life righteously? Do you do justice in your life? 
He says, that's more important than any religious activity you can do. So doing what's right in life is more important than being religious in church. Now, we don't have to choose between the two. We can do what's right in life and then do what's religious at church. And by religious, I mean come do the things we do. Come sing together and pray together and listen to sermon together. But if you're doing here, the religious stuff, and you aren't living it out there, what do we call that? Say it louder. Hypocrisy. You don't want to be a hypocrite. But he says that's, that's the reality, okay? Look at verse number four here, chapter 21, verse four. He says, a haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. So it's just a haughty look. And this is an uppity kind of thing. We're to be humble people, right? And to value other people. And a haughty person is not being humble and is not valuing other people. A proud look, we know that God resists the proud. We saw that last week. Pride of, of, of you know, elevating ourselves and self-sufficiency is not good. So we get it. A haughty look is sin. Pride is a sin. But then he says this, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. How is plowing a field wicked? It's your job. If you've got a field to plow, it's your job. Well, let me, let me state it this way, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. Good things can become bad things when they're not God things. Good things can become bad things when they're not God things. And the idea is this, there's nothing inherently wrong with plowing your field, but why are you doing it? Are you doing it for your own purposes? Are you doing it because you're convinced this is what God has given me to do? Do you see the difference? One is self-willed, one is doing my own thing. So I wanna talk to you, why are you going, those of you have to go to work tomorrow, why are you gonna go? If you aren't doing it because you really think this is what God has given me to do at this point in time, this is how he's providing for us. I believe this is what God wants me to do and he wants me to do it well and do it right. And, and if that's the reason, awesome. It's a godly thing. But if you're going to work for, for, to do your own thing and you're not surrendered to God and you aren't even bringing God into the equation, guess what? It's, it's wrong. Now, don't call and say, my pastor said I shouldn't come to work because I'm not. No, change your heart. Change your heart with God. Go to chapter 28. Actually, you know what? We're, we're really out of time there, so we're going to stop. There are several more that you're going to deal with in your life groups and discuss. Several more of those kinds of things. So how are you going to get this wisdom? How are you going to get it? Well, I was going to tell you how to do that today. But now I'm going to tell you next Sunday. Don't forget, it starts with that, Lord, I need you. We start with realizing, oh, God, I, I see, I do need your wisdom. There are things I'm never going to figure out on my own apart from you and your wisdom. I need your wisdom. That is the starting place. Lord, I need you. And the next week, I'm going to give you a really, really practical way to start getting God's wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us your wisdom. You've made it available to us. 
I pray, Lord, that today we will sense our need of it. And I pray today as we, we, we're done here, Lord, that you would challenge us to realize that our lives, that, that just because something makes sense to us, it may not be right. Just because something comes natural to us, it may not be your way at all. And I pray, Father, that we will set our hearts on gaining your wisdom so that we might glorify you and then experience all the blessings of it in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.